0: Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up-and-coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. Now, if that sits good with you, grab a beverage, sit back, relax, and let's go. Hello everybody. Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast. I am your host, DC, and of course I got my co host here with me Locke. Hey, how's it going, everyone? So, one of the things I want to talk about on this episode, I believe it was the last episode that we had where we talked about uh kind of the mishap that happened with Charles Oliveira. And I mentioned how um, you know, the UFC ended up coming out and saying the scale had been tampered with, you know, guys that were trying to do the weigh-in that were from the UK and whatnot, would change it over to kilograms. And I went into how they uh, hired somebody basically to make sure that the scale had not been tampered with. And then one of the things that you mentioned was that um, I guess you had watched Chell talking about it. And he talked about how it was the, um, basically the scale in the back, the fighter scale and not the actual- the scale. Yeah, so- Um, so I wanted to get your opinion. So I had sent you something that I found that said it was the scale in the back. So I wanted to bring that, this topic back up one to see if that changed your opinion on anything that we talked about, any new insight or anything like that. And then I want to go into, you know, whether it changed my opinion, any. All right. So. I know
1: this isn't going to be a popular take, and it always comes off wrong because I like Oliveira. I like his story. I think, I wish he was still the champion. I think he will probably win the fight to get the championship back. But I do feel like I'm a stickler for, you know, making weight. And with it being the check scale, now I'm not saying it's not a huge inconvenience. And... I do put that a little bit more on the UFC as being something that they definitely have to figure out a way to fix. But ultimately, that is a courtesy. And most fighters check most fighters travel with their own scale typically anyways. And as unfortunate as the situation is, I feel like with all the implications of a title fight It's on you to make sure and not just rely on, well, the check scale is accurate. It seems good. And I fall back on a couple things. One is there's a precedent that nobody's, nobody that's ever missed weight has been able to win a title in the UFC. They have been consistent with that. The fact that it's Oliveira's fifth time missing weight and um, the fact that, 28 other fighters made weight. Three people made championship weight. As much as it sucks, I think the fact that it's the check scale and not the official scale, yeah, it's bad, and it's a black eye in the UFC, and they possibly need to look at, you know, Owen, Oliveira, an Apology, but I see that almost as a courtesy and as a responsibility as a fighter. I think you have to make weight, and, and it sucks, but that's why most fighters travel with their own scale.
0: So this is this is the issue I have there. If there can only be one source of truth, then it's impossible for you to truly know if you're on weight or not until you hop on that scale. So it's really not a courtesy the goal is to have both scales be the same. Right? So part of what I, I sent over to you in that article was um um You know, a guy was talking about, I forget which fighter it was, but he said they came to them at like seven, eight o'clock in the morning and said, hey, just so you know, we found out that scale is off. And I forget, I think he said it was off by like two pounds, right? Because I think they knew the importance of the check scale. I thought it was like 0.8. No, because remember, he said he went back and it was X amount off because he said how much it was. He said initially they thought it was a certain amount and then it was more. But let's just say it was 0.8. We can go with that. Let's say it was 0.8 off, right? It still comes down to, and this goes into what I was saying before, you have different ways of how people cut weight, right? And one, you need a source of truth. So if we can't get on the real scale, it doesn't matter what other scale we use. So in your scenario, okay, I bring my own scale. What's to say that that scale is the same as the official scale? If I'm weighing in based on that and I made weight based on that, it still means that I'm off. And multiple sources said they saw that Oliveira was on weight based on the the fighter scale, right? And as I mentioned, which I don't know if you end up looking into or not, looking into any of what um, Dana White ended up saying or what what, uh, Joe Rogan ended up saying, but I think it was kind of understood that it was a really jacked up situation that wasn't necessarily his fault. But I think the only reason why it was stuck with stripping him came down to this is the rule that we've always followed, but the way I hear you saying it is like, yeah, this is what we follow, and it's your fault because you missed weight five times in the past, right? and I, I just think this is so different, especially when everybody saw him miss I mean make weight. so it's almost like it's almost like um he made some mistakes in the past, he was younger at a lower weight class, he fixed everything, he's been dynamic. And all of a sudden, that's still being held over his head for something that, you know, was kind of out of his control. And for what you said about, you know, other people making weight, they did. But once again, I'll bring up, and I, I should have found an article for it. It was multiple, it was more than one person that missed on their first attempt, if I'm not mistaken. And once again, some of the people that, let's say, you know, got the early heads up, May have been able to cut that additional weight once they found out, but even then it was the day of. And we know how hard that can be for some of the bigger guys, especially if you went to bed thinking you're on weight or even slightly below weight, you do something completely different if you think you're all good, versus I gotta cut another pound, right? So when you say point eight, if we go at point eight, that's a pound. And as we know at this level, a pound is a lot to cut the morning of the weigh-in, right? That's not a small feat. Um, so I think when you put all those things together, I still see it the same way that I saw it before, right? Once again, it, it it's not even whether I'm arguing whether he should have been stripped or not. If that's the rule, that's the rule. That's what we're going with. But it, it's almost like the narrative is almost like, He's a fuck up. He's fucking up again. And I think this scenario is so far different than what that was at all. And I think there's a reason why the UFC literally has hired somebody just to make sure that people don't change anything on the scale. I think the gravity in that alone tells you that it's probably bigger than what they're they're even talking about. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I mean, I feel like I've agreed with everything you said, except I also said it's his fifth time he lost weight, which is also a fact. So I'm sorry if you don't like that. It makes it feel like I'm picking on Charles Oliveira. I mean, he is a big boy. He could beat the, the shit out hair, of me. Right? So I'm sure it's, it's not going to bother hair?
0: him too much. You was a fan where he had a black mohawk. It's the blonde hair you don't like, right? <laughs> I, I am historically, I will say, never a fan of the
1: blonde hair on any... Not Jared Leto in Fight Club, not Eminem, who's a local kid. You name it. You go with the, the blonde hair. Never on board. I will say Unless that. Unless
0: you're born that way, you, you're not for it.
1: And, you know, still not necessarily a fan, to be honest. <laughs> if
0: you're born with blonde hair, you have to die. <laughs> Sage Northcutt just unfollowed. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, the main thing was I just wanted to point out i just don't think it was that black and white and people like you know joe rogan who of course is a part of all the ins and outs for a lot of things that he don't even say for him to really come out and say hey this is a raw deal you have to guess it was a you know pretty raw deal uh on that
1: no i definitely think like the usc that's something they provide as a courtesy but it's almost it's like the law entrapment, right? You know? Like, you tell a person, no, oh, it's cool, you're you're on weight, it's cool, you're on weight. Ha ha, you ain't on weight, we gotcha. Like, yeah, it's, it's a little bit fucked up, and it's weird, you're doing something that's a courtesy, but not only are you not making it work as a courtesy, it's like a detriment. It's a, it's a little obstacle you're putting at the front of uh, the fight that they have to accomplish. And it's definitely fucked up. And, and it sucks, but... That's definitely going to cause Olivera some money on that fight, which sucks, but I think the longer thing is like me and you had mentioned, this run he's been on is impressive. And with the lightweight title um record being so low, this could possibly cost him statistically being the best lightweight of all time because you see that that division is a murderer's row and You know, he's fighting pretty frequently and it's only a matter of time. You know, you keep knocking at the devil's door long enough. Sooner or later, he's going to answer you, you know, and that would really be a downer if that, you know, one fight makes it an issue where now he's not statistically the greatest. I mean, we would always just go ahead and have those arguments anyways, but. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I agree. And and what the, you know, the only thing I'll, I'll mention again about the scale being a courtesy, I think it is, but it's not. You have to have some type of source of truth. So unless you're allowing people to weigh in on an official scale, they have no reference to know how close they are. Right? Do you think Dolce travels with his own scale? He definitely travels with his own scale, but he only uses that scale as a reference in the room. He goes down to the fighter scale, to mess with that right to see where he's at but once again you still only know it's still a guess so if you remember that's what happened with Johnny Hendricks right it's the only time you can't call it a blemish because he ended up getting the weight off of Hendricks you know during a lot of time to finish cutting the weight but that was the only blemish and if you remember he said you know that scale basically was off right? Compared to he brings his own, he calibrates everything, he makes it perfect. You go and weigh in on the official scale, it's a different number. Hendrix is over. It's a title fight. You can't be over any. What do they do? They didn't even have a facility, if you remember him talking about it. They went out to the parking lot and he put them on, you know, the, the plastic sweats and end up hitting mitts and doing some things in the parking lot to burn the rest of that, you know, the, the rest of that water weight off, right? So it's still a factor you don't know and that that's my point but if you have a reference where it's like okay both of these are calibrated equally and we've checked them now i do have a reference it's at least going to be so ridiculously close right you know but a a pound off is not close (laughs) you know so that's the only thing i'll say about that anything else before we move on to the next topic
1: uh no I think we I think we beat that horse to death.
0: <laughs> the people wanted to know. <laughs> they wanted to know. Okay, so the next thing that came up um So recently um last weekend Holly Holm actually uh fought and um she lost the fight which you know I think she actually should have won that fight. But it brought up a few people posted um how since beating ronda for the title she's actually four and six and of course as we know coming into the ufc there was a lot of hype behind her then she beat ronda and you know i think we can all say you know her losing that title was a you know you can't call it a fluke because i think um uh uh misha did a great job of you know taking some punishment, standing there, taking some punishment, standing there, and then pounced on the opportunity. So kudos to her. But I don't think anybody thought that was the end of Holly Holm. You almost looked at that as, okay, that's a fluke. She's going to come back. But instead, she's four and six. So what are your thoughts on that? And then, you know, the fight in general uh, that she just had, who do you think uh, won that fight?
1: I think Holly Holm definitely won. That was one of the... I feel like worst decisions I've seen in a long time. And that sounds ridiculous because there's a lot of bad decisions. But a lot of the bad decisions we've seen are ones where me and you both say, I think this other guy won. But Mm -hmm. it was a close enough fight that I, I don't hate it entirely. I feel like this was a very clearly a win. Um, clearly three to two. Yes. I had it at four to one and this was a fight that I really got to watch because I, I like Holly. Uh, she's taken a long time off to heal up and, you know, try to get herself together for a hot, um, uh, uh, title run. She's been working a lot with Izzy and it definitely showed. So I was kind of excited to see that. And I got to watch the fight in the house with my kid who's also a knowledgeable MMA fan. So I got to skip the Buffalo wild wings and the, the, the bullshit outside sources. And we got to really focus on the fight. And Mm -hmm. I really think this was one of the, the worst decisions that we've seen in a while.
0: Yeah. It was another one where it seemed like everybody was shocked. Like nobody thought that (laughs) Vieira was going to be called for, you know, as the winner, but, um, Including Vieira
1: and her team.
0: Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing about stuff like this. And I don't think this would ever change the way that it is in sports, you know, for the most part in general. Um, I think really bad decisions and things of that sort. Somebody should look into them. And these really bad ones really should be overturned. Um, Because especially in a sport like MMA, It's a big, one loss is so big against your career. I think it's bigger than any, especially in the UFC. It's bigger than anything else in any other sport. That one loss, um, even something as simple as what you mentioned with Oliveira. So um, Dana said that he was going to get everything for that fight. But then they asked him, okay, well, what about the next fight? Will he get pay-per-view, whatever? And Daniel's like, you know what? That's a good question. I don't know. Right? And he's like, I'll have, I have to find out. Because technically, he's not the champion anymore. So something that small of a mishap, you know, easily a few hundred thousand dollars. Easily, right? Holly Holm goes from us talking about how how she's made this great comeback and she's on a 3 fight win streak to hey Holly's 4 and 6 after losing to Ronda right <laughs> that's how big something like that is and it quest it brings up the question what's next for her you know like you said she took that break and everything like that you're expecting something big no she didn't knock the girl out but I think she went out there and did very well and all of a sudden now She gets hit with everybody talking about how she's four and six since losing to Ronda.
1: Well, and I also think that in that fight, when you add everything else up, it's also the fact that she seemed to show up with a new tool, which was really impressive. And she looked like she was in phenomenal shape. That's the first thing I thought when I seen her. She looks in great shape. Um... And that loss is tough, especially, you know, you're 40 years old. Holly Holm's not a spring chicken. She doesn't have a whole lot of runs back in her. And, yeah, if if overturning was an option, this is one of the ones that I think would be crucial, definitely. Because that definitely – and you could see it on her face. You know, that really throws – this late career resurgence in a flux, especially if Peña's able to defend that title, that makes for a really interesting, you know, title fight for Holly.
0: Yeah, and and the talk now has been back to and um um my girl, the best number one champion, she was on uh MMA hour recently and they were asking her about um whether you know after this fight with uh Pena and um and uh, uh uh Nunez. Nunez, whether she was now open to going to fight, you know, whoever that that champion is and getting that banned belt. And, you know, before she always kind of played it off as not happening. But now she said it sounds very likely. It's likely that possibly the end of the year she may be fighting there. She has the one fight coming up and then possibly end of the year. And my guess is, especially if she wins and Pena wins with Holly taking a loss, I mean, who else would you, you know, that Pena uh, Shevchenko fight would be huge. Uh, But to your point, Let's say they didn't want to make that. You could easily make the resurgent Holly Holm. I think that's a good matchup against Pena, right? But it it becomes harder to make that now and sell that fight. And as we know, so much is based on not simply the, the matchup, but what you can sell, right? Because we're talking about a title fight. We're talking about a women's title fight. And we know you have to be You have to really sell that to make it a headliner, right? So unless it's going to be tucked under, you know, somebody else or possibly two other fights, um, you need that story, that resurgence. And I think this loss, once again, even though I thought Holly looked good and won, it still comes down to what the number says. It says it's an L and not a W. That becomes harder to sell.
1: And it really, you could just see it on her face. I really felt bad for her, too, because everything you're saying, she thought right that second when they raised Vieira's hand. Like, you could see as soon as they said split decision, she had a look like, what the fuck?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I
1: seen uh, Winkle John said, yeah, when they said split decision, I thought, oh, just one of these, one of these idiots goofed it up. But we're, you know, we're good to go. Like, nobody. And you hear from the cornering from her team. And and something I read somewhere is, you know, in the middle of the fight, a lot of times, these fighters know, the, the corner knows, like, everybody knew what happened. And you could see from Fiera's reaction, or corner's reaction, her corner's coaching, nobody expected that. And and it is a real travesty. But it, it is what it is. And I hate to be the callous Dana White, because it's not as easy as that, clearly. But yeah Don't leave it i mean the judge. judges will do it
0: <laughs> they will yeah well let me ask you this um now that we look at that what do you think is next for holly home so there's a couple things out there right she can just stay the course keep fighting at 35 fight a couple more girls and possibly get another title shot but as you mentioned she's 40 years old she can drop down to 125. I think she can get to 125. I don't think it would be an easy cut at all, but I think she can get to 125 and be the much bigger girl compared to everybody else. Fight maybe one fight and fight for a title. And I think that can be a good fight. And this is the third option women's boxing has been getting a lot of attention, right? Of course, we just had the fight, um, I should have looked it up, uh, Ser- Serrano versus, ooh, what was her name, the um, the girl from Ireland, I forget her name, I'll look Katie it up. Katie Taylor. They, yeah, so they just had that you know, big fight that was huge. You have um, Clarissa Shields out there, right? She's still mixing it up in between boxing and MMA. I think that could be a really good boxing match. Does she take her hand and go and try and get some of that popular boxing money really quick before she retires that's coming over to women's boxing? Or does she just retire, right? So kind of four options that I see. Staying at 135, trying to build up again, dropping to 125, which wouldn't be an easy cut, but I think it's doable. Going over the box and then grabbing one of the big names since she has a name and try to put together a big money fight, or retiring. What's your thoughts?
1: The reason I don't like the idea of going down to one twenty five is if you you say four and six, and it is true, and I get it, but if you really look at that four and six. It's, it's something that we've covered before where one loss or, you know, like one thing here or there can have a real trajectory on your whole career. So, you know, undefeated, knocks out Ronda Rousey. She's winning that Misha Tate fight clearly in a dominant fashion. Gets caught, gets choked out. It, it is what it is, you know, and then she takes, she loses a couple decisions. Now, one of them was for the 145 pound championship. So she's going up. And it was a title fight. She loses that one. That's a tough one. Um, Cyborg was another title fight. And that was a a fight of the night performance. Um, uh, The Bechca fight was a fight of the night performance. So she was still performing at a high level. The only fight that she really got the shit kicked out of her was the Nunez fight. And Nunez does that to a lot of people.
0: Almost everybody.
1: Right. You know, that's kind of how her fights go. So the record, it's not as bad as it seems. It's just because, and now most of those decisions besides the Vieira fight were still, you know, they were clearly unanimous decisions. So I'm not saying that she could have won or should have got either of those decisions. I'm just saying, even in those records where she's consistently fighting at the highest level in the world, you know, for her sport, Almost all, you know, number one contender fights or title fights against the, the top, top girls. You know, she beats Megan Anderson, just top level fights, and she is still competing at that level. So I don't like the idea of going down a weight class. It, it seems a little panicky, especially when it is just terrible judging. I think that she should stay the course. And my reason is she worked really hard to get her body in a place to to make this comeback. And I don't think she got too injured physically. I think she worked really hard with Izzy to add this new wrestling tool, which looked fairly impressive. And and I, I like that. And I think the best alternative would be for her to get back to the lab. But I know that's easy for me to say. I just didn't get the rug pulled out from under me. But I still think in this women's division... I mean, we've covered the women's pound for pound where half those ladies at the top... 10 at the pound for pound are coming off a couple losses or you know right. losses in the last three fights i still think you know she goes out there puts together a couple strong performances which she probably would because she's going to get a lower ranked opponent and dominates them and then get back in there i really think though based on you know what's coming out of her camp or her kind of approach i think that she's either going to just say fuck it and call it a day and and you know retire. Um I've heard a lot of talk about a Katie Ta- the Katie Taylor fight and I know Katie Taylor and Serrano just got paid a shitload and that fight was pretty highly promoted and I and think if Holly fight. Holm could get a nice payday on the way out, you know, take a fight against Holly Holm or uh against Katie Taylor, get a big big career payday and then call it a career i couldn't blame her and honestly the ufc should be disappointed because the ufc potentially missed a great moment in holly getting that belt back or even competing again over a fucking another bad judging decision you know because she might just say you know what i don't even want to do this no more
0: yeah and and that um serrano uh taylor fight was a a Really good fight too. It 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 was what people wanted to see. They went out there really left it on the line. But um, this is my issue with her kind of. I, I,
1: I want to say real quick. A lot of the women fights are like that. Now I know we've talked about how when we do the pound for pounds, we rank them different. Where we we don't rank the women with the men. And a lot of the comparison you use is I don't rank the WNBA with the NBA. And I agree with that, but I would say women's combat sports is a lot closer to the NBA than the WNBA is because these ladies are fighting their ass off.
0: Absolutely. The difference though is NBA versus WNBA, technically they can play together. The gap is just too big. It's not, it's not that physical. It's physical, but not to where it would be where you're punching people
1: in the face. Yeah.
0: Men and women can't fight each other, and there's a reason why. And that's why I can't rank them together, right? No, I, if, I understand what we, you're saying. Yeah. I just,
1: I'm just saying it's of. I think of all the sports where they keep them separate, women's MMA might be one of the most exciting and most competitive of all the women's sports.
0: Yeah, I I, I totally agree. Uh, but the reason why I don't think Holly, I think she has to make a move outside of 135 is only because I just don't see, and as you said, we, we talked about the pound for pound and everything else. It's not like it's, um, it's not like it's a, um, a murderer's role where she can't beat women to get back to the title. To me, it really comes back to, as you mentioned, her age, she's 40 years old right okay her 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 last title win was seven years ago right that was what 2015 i think it was let me check real quick
1: yeah it was 2015
0: yeah 2015 so and we're in 2020 she just lost so her next fight is not likely to be a title right so we're talking about it maybe 10 years in between and you know if you're maybe a glover to shearer That you know, you can hang on that long, but you're also really going out there putting the hammers on. You know, they're throwing you in a lot of cases at young up and coming guys, and you're putting the hammers on them and catching the W. And then you get your break, and it's almost like a perfect storm, even the person that you're fighting, right? Um, I I don't necessarily see that happening for her at 135, and I think a lot of her issues um, have to do more mental than anything. And when I say issues, as we just talked about, she really should be on a three-fight winning streak. But just like when she got choked out by uh, Misha Tate, that was when she went on that skid. She went from being undefeated to losing three in a row, right? To me, it was more of a mental thing. It's one of the reasons why I would love to see see her versus Shevchenko again. I think Shevchenko clearly won that fight, but that was the fight directly after the Misha Tate fight. right? And then so on and so forth. And then she loses three, she wins one, she loses one. And I don't think she's been able to get out of that head space. And I think there was a certain edge that she had in her head that she lost. And I think completely changing everything, she can get part of that edge back. And that edge may come in a form of dropping weight and, you know, being the, you know, the bigger, bigger person for a while and seeing that. Or, as I said, going back to the roots, not having to worry about all of this other stuff and just boxing, you know, get a couple big paydays and retire. Um, She's one of those people that always talked about she's already very, very nervous every time she comes into a fight, an MMA fight. And I think that partially plays on the whole mental thing. And when you go out and you really, really, you took the time, you put in the work, you feel like you did enough and then you lose in that fashion based on some stupid judges, it has to drain a lot out of you. And something has to create that reset in my opinion. And so I would actually lean toward either the 135 staying there actually would be the last option, in my opinion. I would lean toward either retiring, going to get a couple boxing paydays, or going to 125, And in my opinion, um, and this rolls into what we'll end up talking about next. I think there's some big paydays for her in boxing. I think there's a few big paydays for her in boxing, especially with boxing now, going the route of a lot of this stuff people are getting big money for exhibitions people are getting more you got some people getting more money for exhibitions than other fighters are getting for their actual title fights
1: well I mean that's why Mayweather doesn't really fight no more
0: exactly exactly why would I really
1: fight a guy that could beat me (laughs) and take my O when I could just dick around and do goofy (laughs) shit and beat up dudes that I'm clearly better than for exactly. all kinds of money.
0: Exactly. Which wrote uh, but, me into... Go ahead. Well, yep, no, because I still want to say on the uh, Holly Holm though. the
1: reason I will not... I'm going to die on the hill that I will not say that she should go to 125 only because we've already sent both Ronda Rousey and Misha Tate to Mike Dolce to go down to 125. And I just don't want to make that our, our our new shtick that we just sent... <laughs> every every Too woman's late. fighter that loses a couple, like, yep, you got to call Dolce and go to 125, so that you can lose to Shevchenko,
0: <laughs> apparently. Well, this is the thing, though. Before, we couldn't make that argument because we didn't have a 125, right? And those 135 girls can't, I mean, to get down to 115, you're talking about chopping a couple arms off, right? You're right, for sure. 125 would be tough. But it's, it's but possible. doable, you know, it's doable, yeah, you know, so, you know, and, and as we know, um, that sounds like that's the next step for Misha take. she's actually going that route, you know, but... uh yeah. um, and,
1: and I'm, I'm with that, but mm-hmm. I just at some point want to not <laughs> make that the answer. I wish, especially as, as strong as she looked, as good a shape as she was in, because even when that... Uh, Vieira tried to clinch with her. She was able to move her and turn her around very easy. You know, she was she looked strong out there. If the UFC hadn't completely abandoned it, my answer would have been, you know, maybe try to go up to 145 again.
0: You know, I'll tell maybe you give that a shot. I'll tell you, it's um, interesting too. At um, as I'm looking at the UFC right now, there's nobody listed at 45.
1: If you they, but the they UFC. still keep Nunez as the champion because yeah. they like that champ champ thing,
0: exactly. And there's no one listed. And um, you know, of course, at one point we thought they were going to get Kayla, which I think she would have been coming in for, possibly 145. But um, yeah, I don't know if they just can't find the women, find the talent. But um, I definitely, if that was an option, I would say yeah, go that route because. She can go to 145 easy. She's fought at 145. It's not a big deal. It would be new blood again. Um, She's shown, you know, she can do it. But I just think it has to be something that's a reset for her. And I don't think 135 is it.
1: The only way I would agree to her going to 125, if it's to go fight Christine Ferreira, at bare knuckle fighting for the one hundred and twenty five
0: pound championship. Gotta get it in, Gotta get then it. Then I could be with in. it. Then I could maybe do it.
1: Look, she's also thirty nine, undefeated kickboxer. You know that's the only way she goes to one twenty five.
0: Locke has made his quota. Please send the check. He has made his quota on talking about bare knuckle fighting. Okay, so let's slide over to our um last topic. I wanna talk about um Anderson Silva just had an exhibition fight. The guy that he fought, I didn't know. I ended up looking the guy up, uh, Bruno Machado. I wasn't mm-hmm. familiar with him at all. I wasn't sure. I had never heard of that name in boxing, so I ended up looking him up, and it looks like he was an MMA fighter. Doesn't look like he fought in any big promotions, um, but it was, uh, you know, it was somewhat of an entertaining uh, exhibition. I think Anderson looked good, but I think he's supposed to look good in that fight in particular. But one of the big things that came out of it is it sounds like they're actually trying to make a Anderson Silva, Jake Paul fight. And so I know a lot of people are against that fight. I was one of the people that were against that fight. But what the hell that's my opinion now what the hell so one I wanted to know you know if you had a chance to check out the exhibition and then two what do you think of Anderson Silva Jake Paul
1: I caught the highlights I didn't get a chance to watch the whole fight and it wasn't something I was gonna go look for the resurgence of Anderson Silva as now a boxer is one of the most fun things I've ever seen in combat sports. Yes, and who who would have thought? Would you take a guy that's got some like the most tools, like one of the deepest toolboxes? When we look at different styles, you know, of striking, but also grappling. Uh, you know, Noguera black belt. Like you can't get much better of an offensive fighter. And who would have thought the answer to reviving his career was taking most of those tools away? And it's crazy, but it's working. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: no. I think it's because his, you know, he still has a lot of the reflexes. But I think it at the stage where his reflexes are now, it's a little bit better suited for boxing. You know, nobody's taking him down no kicks anything like that i think that's kind of what what helps it but his style was already a style that i think could transition over to boxing because it's awkward in the way that he moves and he can do you know he can do the the Philly shell he has you know he has some um uh what do you call it he has some some 52 blocks in him you know he has some different things uh so i think all of that is one of the reasons why it translated well.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's one of the things I was going to say. He can hide behind those gloves a little bit. He doesn't have to worry about, you know, fielding kicks. And, you know, he really had to worry about the grappling a lot as the career went on because that was clearly his one deficit. So, I don't know. It's just a lot of fun. And, you know, when you're having professional boxing matches against Tito, who you made cut down, which he didn't make them. I know Tito likes to say that you signed a contract and then complained that they wanted you to honor the contract. It's for a guy that at one point I thought was a really smart businessman. That was like one of the dumbest arguments I ever heard. Like, <laughs> um, but that'll make your boxing career look a little better for sure. But I really like it. And I've gone the opposite way as you. Like, at first, I was down for it. I was like, yeah, make him box Anderson Silva. But the closer it gets to it, Jake Paul's a big boy, and it looks like he's probably learning to box. And it makes me a little bit more nervous than it did a year ago.
0: Yeah, the, um, I mean, we know Jake definitely has a big punch. Um, I'm more comfortable with it because I'm a little bit more comfortable with Silva boxing and just going back to what we talked about, his defense and everything like that. And, you know, I think he can slip a lot of what Paul throws because he telegraphs so much. And I think you want some, you want some danger there. And I think the danger is Paul's a big boy with a big punch right so I think that danger is still there for uh Silva and w- that's what brings the excitement to the fight but I think skill wise Silva's a lot better um so I think it makes for an interesting matchup now I would probably dig a hole and then cover myself up and cry in it if he knocked Silva out right like that would hurt my entire heart but I mean, that's a part of, you know, that's a a part of your heroes going out there and testing themselves. That's one of the things that make them your heroes. And to me, it's not like him going out and, you know, fighting top MMA talent where I'm really, really worried, you know, in that aspect. I think him being a lot better skill wise and Paul having a puncher's chance, you know, I like those odds for him to come out on top it makes for an interesting fight and um it should be a big payday now as you know i really want anderson Silva to get a big payday or two and retire that's still the goal because no matter how well you do in boxing the better you do the more you'll want to box and the more you'll want to move up to higher and higher talent and there's there's killers out there in boxing you you haven't even reached the You haven't reached that level of boxers yet. And then all of a sudden, my heart gets broken all over again, the same way that it did at MMA, right? Um, So that's my biggest issue there. But what I do like is he's staying busy. You know, he had two fights last year, fought already this year. They're talking about uh, putting a Paul fight together or possibly another fight for him. So I think that helps with everything, the reflexes and everything like that. One thing that I would love to see, especially after watching that exhibition, I would love for him to connect with Tyson and his old coach, uh, Rafael Cordero, and get some of what Tyson has been teaching Henry Cejudo. And, you know, Tyson put out a new uh, training, uh, you know, video series or whatever for the peekaboo style. But just some of the angles that Tyson takes. I think would do really well for Silva, especially in that last fight because he was already doing a lot where he was getting really low, kind of under Machado's punches, and then trying to come around it. And I think if he can mix in some of that peekaboo movement, especially the way that Tyson steps out on the angle and throw those hooks, I think it'll make him very dangerous for a lot of people.
1: I definitely agree, and if you look at Anderson Silva's style. He's great at cutting angles. I actually have his book, the art of striking. And it's something that I haven't seen in uh, instructional books often. And I've seen a lot of instructional books. He's got like a full giant chapter just on footworks and different ways to switch stances Mm -hmm. and ways to cut angles. So I think a lot of that Tyson stuff would work good for him. And it's just a small adjustment thing. The difference is he's a different style of fighter. He's tall and lanky, you know, but you could still make that work for you. Um, I, I would say, and I think he could beat Jake Sil- uh, Jake Paul. But yeah, if he was to lose to Jake Paul, that one loss, well, if he gets knocked out. It, I would hurt my feelings if he lost, but I could live with it. But if he gets knocked out, that would hurt hurt worse than his last seven MMA losses together. I agree. like everyone the leg kicks the broken legs the uriah hall crying like it would hurt worse than all of them
0: yeah no i definitely agree and um on the styles yeah um you know Tyson's style was definitely worked well because he was such a you know shorter compact fighter um but the way that Anderson Silva is already moving and cutting angles, it's one of those things where I think he's skilled enough to learn Tyson's style, but not try and mimic Tyson's style, right? It just becomes a, a, a you know a, another tool in the toolbox for when you get in certain situations where now, especially once again in that fight, he kept doing a few things where he would get really low and throw body shots or duck under punches but he was still right in front of Machado and I think with some of the bigger guys bigger punches that becomes a problem whereas I think you take that same thing and now at that point you can mix in some of that peekaboo where you slip a punch or two and then jump out to the angle and go body hit and I think he had that and he was the taller fighter in that fight And to me, he still had the right posture to be able to achieve something like that effectively, right? So that was one of the, um, you know, one of the big things that I saw. But yeah, he, um, I think that after the Paul fight, one, I think it would be a big payday. But I think it can set a chapter for some other things in his career, even if it's just other fun fights. Uh, him fighting Tito, I think that was a fun fight. I think it was an old-school grudge match. Even though they didn't really, quote-unquote, dislike each other, Tito would always say that he thought that he could, if given a chance, he would be able to beat both Anderson Silva and John Jones. Now, as we know, Tito's delusional, but that's neither here <laughs> nor there, right? <laughs> but, um You know, to see that in a boxing match, I think it was, you know, I think it was good to see, you know, fun and everything like that. But at some point, um, you know, I think Anderson being who he is, he wants the threat. I don't think he wants a non-threatening exhibition. I just don't think, that doesn't seem like who he is. And the problem is the threat only goes up from there. And Jake Paul is probably one of the safest big paydays that he can get, you know, because a lot of those other people that he would be fighting are big boys, big punchers and true boxers. Right. And I think it makes a difference there.
1: I think if he could win, whether it's Jake Paul or not, if he could put up just a couple more W's in the boxing and then call it a wrap, I think he would go down and it's between him and Henry Cejudo right now as far as the greatest combat sports athlete of all time. And I'm talking about, like, different than, like, the pound-for-pound uh-huh. pound yep, greatest or whatever. General. But, yeah, just having to been succeeded in so many different individual versions of the sport. I mean, Suhudo, you can't, you know, when you look at Olympic gold medal plus two-division MMA champ, that's pretty impressive, but... When you look at the level of dominance in his prime that Silva put out in MMA, and then now this late in his career, to put in a not great, not Hall of Fame, but a respectable boxing run, it's pretty impressive. And I think that really puts those two aside from everybody else in, you know, the greatest combat sports. I mean, maybe Stylebender could still get there, too. He's, He's done a lot of varied stuff, too, but.
0: Yeah, you know, with his kickboxing and everything. But, um, yeah, with Cejudo, that's very interesting. Uh, One, as you know, I'm a a Henry Cejudo fan, even though I still think he lost that second fight to DJ. But that's neither here nor there. (laughs) But I'm a Cejudo fan. I like Cejudo. I like the fact that he's coming back and he's going to try to get another title. Um, But with all the work, you know, once he started going on Mike Tyson's podcast and they got really cool, And um, a lot of the early kind of – I think what led to Mike Tyson putting out an instructional for the peekaboo style came from him and Henry Cejudo being in the gym and whatnot and Rafael Cordero being there and him asking a lot of stuff. And then there was a lot of YouTube video blips that came out from that. But um, he seems to really be learning – you know a lot of arts for boxing and i think it's going to make for some really interesting stuff that he's going to be able to bring to the ufc but also you know he's only 35 years old we may see him come to the ufc grab a title and then leave out and who knows fight a a tank davis or something for a huge payday right um tank davis just left floyd or i think he he has one more fight either it was his last fight or this fight coming up it's his last fight under mayweather promotions and he decided he's going to do basically similar to what floyd did at the last interview i saw with his he said he's basically not going to sign with anybody he's going to do his own thing but he wants to keep a relationship with floyd and, and uh you know and mayweather promotions Which means now that opens him up to the way Floyd was or the way, uh, uh, um, shoot, I'll think of his name in a minute on the tip of my tongue. Uh, The way that they did where they were more open to be able to fight anybody because they were not locked into somebody else's promotion, right? So now if he did want to do a fight with a Cejudo or somebody else where it was a boxing match or something like that, it's open to do. And, you know, I don't think Henry Cejudo could beat him in a boxing match. I just threw that name out there as a big name, smaller guy. But we could very well see Cejudo become a three combat sport champion, and that would definitely solidify him as the greatest combat sport athlete that I know of, right? I don't know what happened before us, right? But um, definitely that I know of, to be able to win Olympic medal in wrestling, very difficult. Come to the UFC, win multiple titles, very difficult. And then go over to boxing and win a title, that would be absolutely huge. And even though he couldn't beat him, he couldn't beat Tank
1: Davis or you know any of these guys he couldn't beat, but then why the hell not? You know, you what are the chances of him winning a gold medal? What are him the chances of beating D, DJ? What are the chances of him beating right. Dillashaw? So, you know, at some point, maybe you should stop doubting Henry Cejudo because maybe he fucking can do it, and we don't have a clue. You know,
0: I think it's you know, I I you know, him and I are a part of the same tribe. It's the really big head people tribe. Right. So I think his head is so big. Right. And I'm not talking about ego. I'm talking about physically his head. Right. His head is so big that I think it gives him extra power to be, you know, to not know that he can't do stuff. And I suffer from that same condition. <laughs> so I think that's what it. Well, that's what it is. But, um, yeah, you know, but to sum it up with what uh, Silva You know, hopefully he he does as you mentioned. I would like to see him do one or two more fights, have a good payday, have some fun, and I I really just want to see him retire. We watched him get hurt in MMA. I don't want to watch him get hurt in boxing. You know, and and you know that maybe that's me being selfish.
1: No, I I could see that for sure. Um, and you know something you touched on earlier, the thing with the. Jake Paul fight for Anderson Silva, like you said, a, a lot of people don't know, like how funny of a guy he is, how much personality he has, because you know how much charisma he has. And I don't know, I don't know. It could be a series of things that I don't really want to get into that have kind of kept that out of the uh, you know marketing machine or whatever. But he's a really likable, entertaining guy, and getting that opportunity, win, lose, or draw in that fight, to get in front of the mainstream media. He has the name and the resume, but you know, to be able to put a personality with it, I think could do a lot as far as you know, giving him post-fight opportunities or other things he could get into to make good money.
0: Yeah, and he's a great guy. You really didn't see him get into a lot of the trash stuff until he was provoked, and only in the fights that he was provoked and in this exhibition he had you know him gsp some of these guys are just naturally class acts yeah when you're in the cage ring whatever they're gonna try to take you out but outside of that they're really class acts and that's the that's the sport that i like you know they bring the traditional Uh,
1: martial arts kind of aspect to to their approach
0: Absolutely. So at the end of this Machado fight, uh, Machado grabbed his son and he had his son in the ring. And you know how the exhibitions are. Nobody wins. They raise both people's hand. There's no scorecard. Right. And, uh, you know, Machado's holding his son and Anderson holding up his hand. And he looks over. He sees his son. He comes over. He grabs the son, kiss him on the forehead, you know, says something. And it was so funny because Machado looks and he's like, look at his son, I'm like, man, that's Anderson Silva. Like that's Anderson Silva. And, you know, and then they raise both of their hands and everything like that. But it's like, you know, the moments, the energy, like you said, he has charisma. There's so many things that he has that, you know, the, the most people wouldn't know, you know what I mean? And I think he's a very, you know, very likable person. Um, but yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, he does something where he gets the, the big payday and something is satisfied in him because obviously he has something that's still burning where it allows him to just sit down and, and, you know, he has a school. I don't know what else is needed. He already trains people. But something that obviously is needed within him that he really, you know, wants to keep doing. But we all know the answer. And, you know, this would... If if Cejudo goes to boxing, Anderson has no other choice but to go to EBI. We know the answer, right? He has to. I, go I was thinking into, bare knuckle. <laughs> he has to go into grappling, and then we get to see him versus Chill in EBI. Tell me I'd that's not that. a moneymaker. See, yeah, I've
1: watched that there for sure.
0: Go. There we go. <laughs> All right. Any any last words before we wrap this up?
1: Yeah, the only last thing um cuz we, we talked about Machado's son um mm-hmm. Anderson Silva's son and you get kind of a a look at some of the behind the scenes of how likable Anderson Silva is and his pretty palatial estate for the he could use another payday but he's doing all right for himself but his son, I don't know if it's Khalil but it's K A L Y L Silva and he's a kickboxer himself but his mm-hmm. TikTok is really really dope and uh, you know it's a lot of good footage of him training a lot of footage of him and his dad sparring together or his dad training him and think about being a young man going into a kickboxing career and you have access to Anderson Silva as like your personal kickboxing coach and yeah I, I uh, but yeah I just wanted to recommend that if you're listening to us if you're on TikTok follow him it's Khalil Silva and it's a lot of Anderson Silva making cameos and his stuff and
0: it's uh. you get a good idea of Anderson Silva's personality. Nice. We need to go and follow him. I think, um, I think it was you, it might've been somebody else that had sent me one of his fights a while back, but I actually have forgot all about it, but, um, I'll definitely go and follow the TikTok and, uh, check out some of the stuff. But yeah, it's, um, you know, it's always interesting, especially when you have a parent that is a high level something particularly athlete, where it's always weird what direction the kids end up going to. And I think sometimes there's so much pressure that they don't end up being good and part of it is folding to the pressure trying to live, you know, under a certain legacy. But that's one thing that I think is good about combat sports. Um, you know, he's able to go in and go into kickboxing. There's not as much pressure even though you're Anderson Silva's son, because one, it's not MMA, and two, as we know, most people don't watch kickboxing, right? So it's not as big eyes and pressure and everything on you uh, that you would have if you were coming into MMA, like uh, um, uh, Kron you know, coming into MMA. Right away, the pressure was on him. Like, wait a minute, you're the son of the the great, uh, uh, um, the great Henzo you know, uh, uh, not Henzo, um, uh, 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 shoot, um, Hickson, you're the son of the great Hickson. Like you have to, I was be blanking great. on the you name to too.
1: And I was really wrong. disappointed in myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm wearing off on you, man. Pretty soon you won't remember <laughs> anybody's name. Don't worry about it. But, uh, you know, you're, um, you're Hickson's son. He's known as the great. You have to be some type of derivative of that. Right. And um, I think there was a lot of pressure on him. He started off. I think he had maybe only a handful of fights before he came over to the UFC. And I think I have to double check. I think he went one and one in the UFC or something, but he hasn't fought in quite a while. And I think, you know, it's hard carrying that on your back. But let's say he would have stayed just as a grappler, which he was really, really good in. I don't think as much pressure was there, even though he came from the great Gracie family because I think it was a little bit more forgiven versus Hickson's legacy when you talk about MMA right and so I think that's what uh, gives Anderson Silva's son maybe a little bit of leeway there to kind of grow into his own absolutely any last words
1: nope that's it uh, I didn't think we'd be able to bang out all them topics that quick but
0: we're getting better at this shit <laughs> Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Fatboy MMA podcast. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. Come again. That wraps up another Fatboy MMA podcast. If you have a topic for us, please email us at fatboymma55 at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links.fatboymma.com. That's links.fatboymma.com. Thank you for listening.